What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of In Your Business. I'm here with my co-host, Sean Kingsbury. Sean, say what's up. Hello. And our guest today is Frank Abruzzese. Hello. Frank is a president and CEO of AlphaCore, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Frank, but uh, AlphaCore is an IT cybersecurity company? That's correct. And so, Frank, why don't you just tell the people a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you're at today? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's such a pleasure. As uh, Sasha said, Frank Abertzese. I've been in this industry for 35 years. I started with uh, a small company in town that had a uh, corporate store. Started out in retail selling uh, computers to uh, first-time home buyers for the home. Wow. Then I uh, moved up to, I uh, got myself promoted to Mississauga, so I got to experience the big city back in 1990. Mm-hmm. Really young, running a, I uh, was referred to as the superstore. I can write a whole book and maybe a trilogy on those nine months in Mississauga. Learned a lot and decided to come back home. Windsor uh, adopted me since I'm a Leamington boy. Worked for a small company, helped them grow. And believe it or not, I retired back in January 1996. I left the industry. Did you know that? No. Did that once. Uh, Career change obviously didn't turn out very well. (laughs) Six months later, I got back into uh, the IT and AlphaCore called me. And I've uh, been enjoying that journey ever since. Okay. So AlphaCore called you? AlphaCore. So they were an existing entity prior to you joining them. AlphaCore was around for almost a year and a half before I joined. Uh, Oh. A nice retail store in Ottawa Street before Tim Hortons was there. Okay. And uh, helping uh, individuals out in the city to buy their first computers and a little bit of small business. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. I thought you started AlphaCore. Well, that's, uh, that's the word on the street, but uh, those rumors are not true. <laughs> I was empowered to bring the small business uh, to the company back in 96. I think I did okay. Uh, my three amazing partners uh, backed me up on everything technical and made everything happen. I like to say I was the guy who was able to walk on water and they went out and did everything. They made me look great. The clients were happy, the business grew. You know, and today we have a fifth partner, so the company's 28 plus years, and uh, we're continuously growing every day. Nice. And so what does AlphaCore do? Yeah. Like, what's its services or its products? Tell us about that. Sure. We do three main things. Uh, we sell and service uh, all your IT, computer, servers, networks, uh, your workstations, your wireless access points. One big part of that is talking about uh, data, backing up the data, do it in the cloud, do it at another location within your premise. So we can get into some complicated technical terms. We can be your 24-7 help desk support. We can complement your IT team. That's one main area that we do in terms of servicing all your IT technology needs. The other area is we have an awesome digital marketing team. So we design websites, all that social media, the search engine optimization, anything you're thinking about marketing today in the digital world, our team can help. And the third area that we've been very successful in is writing a number of customized software packages and Mobi apps. And uh, we've written some really cool tools that have helped companies automate processes and uh, run their businesses a little more efficiently. And of course, we all want to collect data and reports. So Mm -hmm. been able to customize a lot of that for our clientele as well. Interesting. Um, So for yourself, is your role more the sales side or are you developing some of these 
resources that are being sold? Like, are you specifically writing the code yourself or do you have a team that does that and you're kind of the front man that will sell that code to a company or how does your role work? So I, I love the part about writing code. So um, a lot of people don't like this. I am not technical. So early in my career, I used to play and uh, dabble a bit and uh, format hard drives and do a bunch of things and write auto batch files someday to myself. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I've been able to take the uh, technical side of it, the business conversation and bring them together. We have an amazing uh, corporate sales team on board as well, inside sales support, customer service. We have a lot of different people playing a lot of different roles. My role today specifically is uh, building a uh, new business development platform that we're uh, looking at uh, growing this year. And uh, also the PR, the public relations as being president of the corp. Okay. Sitting on, which includes sitting on a number of boards, attending meetings, like today I'm at an event. There's always events going on. Started a networking group, my second one in my career that I've started. So yeah. just trying to get back to the community and to say thanks for all the support and uh, to be there to help anyone with anything that they need. So I want to know actually, Frank, if you don't mind, like what is the biggest change you've seen in your industry since your time at AlphaCore? Because obviously tech and IT has changed dramatically over the past 28 years. Um, so what, what have you seen that's been a big change? And then what do you kind of see as the future of your type of industry? Well, for years, I, I've been talking about our, our love our industry because you can't get bored. It changes hourly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some monumental things, right? We had to deal with Y2K back in 99. And, and for the record, AlphaCore was first in this region. We talked about it in spring of 97. Nobody had any idea what we were talking about. We had to deal with um, the cloud. Cloud was a big transition to the cloud, not the cloud. And we're still educating a lot of individual on the cloud. How safe is it? How do you protect yourself? Just because I'm in the cloud doesn't mean that everything's all taken care of and mm -hmm. backed up, et cetera. Wireless was a big issue, right? The public Wi-Fi's, are they open? Are they secure? Guests in your building. So th those are some major things that uh, we looked at. AI machine learning, you know, that's a big hot topic today. Is it going to replace our brains? You know, what's going on with that? So there's a lot of debate, pros and cons. How good is it? You know, I know in uh, some of the sectors are concerned about AI doing the work for you. So we'll see how that pans out for the future. Have you guys implemented it at all? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a lot of the tools we use uh, are actually a uh, combination. We find uh, hybrid and, uh, you know, we were using hybrid before it came out during uh, COVID for the virtual work at home, work in the office. Mm -hmm. So AI, our tools would be both AI, machine learning and human. So we have people looking at log reports and we also have uh, robots, uh, computerization looking at uh, reports. So if you put the two together, it's pretty solid. And uh, what are some challenges that you face, you know, like getting started in the business and then moving along yeah. and um, any challenges that you see moving forward, like with technology or anything like that? Challenges are, are always going to be there. Um, we need them. So challenges would be, you know, it's kind of refreshing when I'm working with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs starting out their ideas or dreams. We have a lot of great ideas, a lot of intelligent people, a lot of technical people. They have great ideas, intellectual property, the marketing side of it. How do we get the message out? How do we reach our audience? How do we get them to convert and to reach out to us? How do we know that they need our product, our services? Mm -hmm. How are they aware of us? So marketing today is, is a lot easier because of all the different medium that we have. However, we're in a very competitive space regardless of what you're providing to your audience. So you know, looking at uh, that challenge is making sure you make those connections, have a good marketing strategy in place and um, 
the conversation needs to be in English. I've loved being on the radio in the past. Um, you know, we've got, uh, I don't know if you know, but we have the number one uh, morning show in uh, Windsor, Detroit, wow. 800. And when you get on, uh, when you're invited in to be the expert on the subject matter, it's really exciting. But you have to stop and think about the audience. It's kind of hard to throw out all the technical jargon. Yeah. You know, there's some brilliant people there that definitely would understand it. And then there's some people out there that, you know, let's bring it to a business conversation level so we can understand both the business and the technical world. That's another challenge in our world. We don't want to over talk about people either, right? So we want to be considerate and uh, make them feel okay with the conversation because they know their business better than uh, anyone else would. So we really want to help them run it better and achieve their goals. Uh, is most of the work, I'm assuming it's not, but what type of like location and geography are you covering? You know, is it specific to Canada? Do you have international? You know, are you working with clients around the world? Like, do you find that the same needs are kind of being seen? throughout the world or is it kind of distinct to each region or what are you seeing with that? So we've expanded the geographic footprint over the years. The last couple of decades, uh, it's been North America wide. We've done some stuff overseas, done some stuff out in New Zealand. Uh, business people processes are the same anywhere that you go. That's what we have seen. The challenges are the same, right? So we're, we're always looking at prices an issue, delivery, Product turnaround time on delivery has always been an issue. It's gotten worse in recent times. It's starting to get a little better again. You have to look at uh, always the staff, the talent, right? Recruiting. Who, who can I hire? Who can I put the best people, the best people in the best seats? Those are all challenges that we hear anyone that we talk to having the same struggles. Mm -hmm. What kind of education do you need to do what you do? So it depends if you want to be on the technical side of it. Uh, you know, there, we have uh, two phenomenal uh, schools in town. The University of Windsor and St. Clair College both offer great programs in a number of the tech sectors, right? You've got your com computer science at the university. St. Clair has a number of specifics. I'm excited about new cybersecurity curriculum coming out. I would definitely look at that. If you want to be a technician, you know, you want your uh, A++ certification, your CompTIA. So those are two things that you can look up and contact us we can uh, kind of steer you in that direction. And then look at our, our two uh, academias for the uh, programs. Most companies like ourselves, uh, you know, we do two things. We want people with three to five years experience minimum, and then we take some fresh graduates uh, once in a while from the uh, post-secondary. We usually like to ask too, like, you know, what type of stuff are you doing in the local community? And, you know, how are you able to contribute to, you know, Windsor as a region, even though your company is, you know, large and expansive? So locally, we've done a number of things. Uh, you know, I'll start with Close to Heart. Uh, we've sponsored a number of different sports teams in town. I personally coached uh, my daughter's soccer team for years in house league and in uh, travel soccer. We are excited that uh, AlphaCore was instrumental in starting the first cricket intramural at the hey, University of Windsor. Nice. So, <laughs> you know, AlphaCore, we've got some history there. I learned about a sport that I knew nothing about. I met the uh, team and... Uh, Found out a, a lot of stuff about a whole world that I knew nothing about. That was exciting. Sat on a number of boards. I've sat on a number of committees, have volunteered. And I personally helped start three nonprofits in this community. I'm very happy and proud of that. Mm -hmm. Our IT industry specifically had nothing really that brought us together. So well over a dozen years ago, we firmed SoftTech, uh, which is now uh, WeTech. And uh, that's an exciting organization to be a part of. Uh, sat on that board for about 10 years and shared it for three. So that's something in terms of giving back and, and helping, especially our IT sector and helping locally. 
And I'm really happy that uh, we had a networking group for about 12 years. We met once a month. That peaked at about 75 people coming out just to yeah. get to know each other from all different professional industries in Windsor, Essex. And then during COVID, uh, since we tabled that one, there, there was a need that a, no, a number of people came to me and, and they were struggling in the fall of 20 saying, you know, the world has shut down, we're virtual, it's hard to network. So I thought, hey, I'm gonna try this. So January 21 out of the gate, I ran Wednesday Wisdom every Wednesday at 11 a.m. to noon. And we peaked about 45 people in that first year or so. And then we moved it to monthly where now we're having monthly events the first Wednesday of the month. So if you want to make connections, that you know that's a challenge that I when I'm talking to individuals building their business, is uh, having your connections and uh, growing your network are really important. So you said you got three nonprofits. What like, you want to talk about those a little bit and what they do, what they are, like which which part of the community is that in? Sure. So uh, you know I'm a co-founder of uh, WeTech. That is a nonprofit organization. Uh, there was uh, six of us that are co-founders. Five of us owned uh, IT slash software corporations here in the community, which is excellent. Uh, the other one, uh, you know, I have to give hats off to Noor Hatcham uh, at Build a Dream. Uh, she was uh, leading this great event. We sat down in our, in our unplugged lounge at AlphaCore, and uh, I said to her, we really need to form a nonprofit. So myself, Noor, and Jonathan Azabardi from Laval Tool uh, were co-signed the paperwork to get that nonprofit established. And, you know, I can't take credit for the leadership, but Noor has done an amazing job. You know, I was there uh, from day one with... Uh, a few other organizations out there and they're, you know, they're still running in the community and we do support them. I think everyone should volunteer and look at a position on a board at least once to have that experience. I've sat on, on a number of boards now and very proud to contribute and to help in any which way that we can. What type of goals does AlphaCore have for the future? You know what I mean? What, what are you, are you like, obviously you're the CEO and um, you know, I'm assuming you have a management team. Like what, what are your goals as a company, I guess, for the future? So we're going to continue to grow. We, we've got a pretty good, uh, aggressive uh, growth path. Back in 2011, uh, we put together a really aggressive 10-year plan that we shattered in three and a half years to show how fast the industry changes. Yeah. You know, we're still going to continue on that plan. Uh, we're going to lead as a managed service provider in terms of providing, uh, you know, 24-7 help desk, cyber support, et cetera back up in the cloud. So all, all the pieces we talked about at the beginning, we're going to definitely lead in that discussion and uh, continue to lead on that. I know I've been asked many times to speak as an expert on cyber. We were instrumental in getting out to the electronic vehicle charging and expo show in Toronto in May. And I was fortunate to be one of the three panelists to talk about cyber in the EV space. So that was kind of really exciting for me to explore a whole brand new industry that's going to affect us. What's happening with that? Like, so I'm assuming you need to implement cybersecurity now in cars. Absolutely. So the three panelists, uh, our, our role at AlphaCore was to protect the companies in that space mm -hmm. in terms of the office side of things and, and the, you know, your plant shops, et cetera, and your testing fields. The other two panelists focused on hardware in terms of the devices in the actual vehicle mm -hmm. and also software. So all three levels need to be protected. No, yeah, for sure. And so like, do you guys have a play in like uh, developing any software for uh, like security, like these electric vehicles? Cause like, who's to say somebody doesn't just hack into one yeah. of these cars and uh, you know, make it drive into other cars? It's been in one of the movies. Um, don't know if it was one of the Furious movies, but one of the Fast movies. Yeah. It was in recently where they took over cars and had them all go out of parking lots. 
So that's when the light kind of took off a couple of years ago. When I seen that, I thought, you know, this is always a fear. It is a fear. The car that I picked up two years ago, I have an app to uh, remote start it on my phone, uh, lock and unlock. So if my phone gets compromised, someone can easily unlock my car. Yeah. Yep. One, one big concern that we're seeing right now is uh, your fob. So when you're pulling up with your vehicle with the RFID readers, you can read the uh, signal. You can replicate a fob. So when an individual goes into their office or goes shopping, you could actually replicate the fob and uh, take their vehicle. So I've had a personal friend where that happened to. It's pretty scary stuff. But then I look at it from a technical point of view and go, yeah, this is why that cybersecurity conversation is critical. How do we encrypt that code that uh, is, in, and that's even done in RFID, for example. So that's not my area of, of specific expertise on the uh, the fob for the vehicles, mm-hmm. but it uh, it's going to go hand in hand with anything that's uh, with the connected vehicle today. Uh, definitely needs to be secured. I was happy to see so many players out at that first annual electronic vehicle show, mm-hmm. and uh, there were concerns and plans and strategies that we did talk about. So that was good news. What are you seeing like the AR or VR space in terms of like how that needs to be more encrypted and the cybersecurity needs for those type of spaces as well as, as, as they become more easily accessible and available for people, you know, on a consumer level, you know, are you seeing more of a need to protect those type of areas? Absolutely. It's going to continue to grow. So you have good tools that are helping people collaborate globally. I've been to the VR cave we have here. We're very fortunate uh, to have one. And, uh, you know, Invest Windsor Essex has done a great job there. If you haven't been out and checked it out, you really need to go see it. So now we have this collaboration, then it goes back to how do we protect it? Well, you know, the first line of defense is uh, what is your corporation's cybersecurity strategy? If I'm going to get my employees on this VR um, the sandbox, collaborating, using tools in the cloud, whatever it happens to be, right? The tool's the tool, is how am I protecting it? Working from home is the big issue. How do I protect all the home users? They're using that, you know, personal computers, uh, personal phones, corporate phones, corporate computers, they're on residential internet. So yeah. where, where, where do we set up the firewall? Where do we set up the security? What is the protocol? What's the policy like? What's dual factor authentication? Like, do we want that six digit code forced upon our employees on their cell phone to protect us? Yeah. There's so many different things, a lot of conversations. But today, regardless of how big, small, high profile, low profile, everyone needs to be aware. Because the piece that we always talk about is what do your stakeholders expect you to have in place? So if I'm AlphaCore and I'm an IT company, I can't say I have a thousand dollar cybersecurity strategy or that probably doesn't sound good for an IT company. But, you know, if I'm a, a very small business in my home, maybe $1,000 a year might make sense for that cybersecurity to get my firewall and to have my data protected uh, and duplicated. So, again, it depends on the time and the place, the company, their goals, what their strategy is, and your downtime. One key question we like to ask is, how long can you afford to have your technology down? Okay. And everyone says, never. Well, Never is a, is, a, is a big ticket item to make you up and running 99.9999% yeah. of the time. So, <laughs> yeah. again, um, I remember many years ago uh, to buy a 0.9 uh, at one time was like an extra 10 grand, where today it's going to be significantly higher. So, you know, you have to look at uh, 365 days in the year and then yeah. uh, take a look at what can you afford. If you say half a day, you do the math and that's your percentage and uh, you have to have a budget for that. So, I see. again... We have uh, nice redundancy systems, disaster recovery, you know, simplify it. Whatever you're looking for in terms of your goals, we know we can achieve. We can come up with a solution that will work well for anyone out there. Wow. Awesome. 
And so, like, how sensitive is it being out? Like, if I wanted to just go do my work at Starbucks, per se, like a lot of people do, and you want to use their network. So how sensitive are we or how at risk are we being out there and using public Probably networks? a lot. Yeah, so public Wi-Fi in general, regardless of who it is, um, you know, you really have to look at it and find out what, what's the level of security. I know AlphaCore has uh, me personally locked down because of my traveling, right? I'm abroad quite a bit. I'm in a lot of public places, a lot of corporations on their public Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. There are some places where I simply cannot get onto the Wi-Fi and it'll tell me not me- not meeting the security standards that we've set. So I ended up going uh, you know, to a friend's cottage in northern Michigan and I had to actually use my cell phone the entire weekend I was there because uh, my device itself had the group policy locked down. So on my phone, I have a different set of policies with different um, credentials and accessible. So I was able to tether to the phone. But again, I was careful what I used because I didn't want to get into any of the other tools, but they're all password protected. They're all behind a firewall. But the point is uh, the group policy is locked down where I can't just hop on a public Wi-Fi. You know, airports are very popular too, right? How many people are at the airport using it? We go to sports and concerts, you know, in a big open venue. So think about it. I have 20,000 people in the seats. How secure is that venue going to have that public Wi-Fi to allow that access for that many people at the exact same time? So think about that. It's fairly open. It's fairly public. So can people hack into your cell phone? Absolutely. And get like banking data out of your cell? Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime there that uh, there's a Wi-Fi, absolutely. Even in a network, we've gone into many uh, buildings where if you go in a hallway and you see drop ceiling, you know, you push the tiles up and yep. you see any blue cables and such. And we've seen people splice into there and intercept what's called packets of information and yeah. they can collect data that way as well. Whoa. Um, a lot of back rooms and file servers and where all that spaghetti is for, you know, yeah. your yeah. phone lines and all your computer wiring. Yeah. Many public places are open where you can just go in, plug in your device on a port and hop on. And again, it, it's it's uh, let's talk about positive. Let, let's look at our situation and let's try to uh, find out where the gaps are and what it takes to, to close the gaps. Yeah. How often are you seeing breaches? Daily. Yeah. Yeah. There's breaches all the time. Phishing is a common thing. So if a company doesn't have a phishing uh, strategy, you know, it's part of that cybersecurity conversation. There's random phishing. There's phishing training exercises. We can throw, uh, you know, random emails out there and and do a report on who's opening what, who's clicking on links. And, you know, most people have good intentions. Our guard is down. We're open. We're honest. uh, We want to help each other. So when my customer tells me or my supplier tells me my bank info needs to be updated, I click on an update because I want to take care of them. I want to pay their bill. I want them to pay my bill. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, that it really wasn't legitimate. So have your guard up, ask questions. Gift cards is popular. Yeah. I don't know anyone that's sending an email to a random employee from the top saying, go out and get 100 gift cards and send the bill in and, uh, you know, we're we'll reimburse you. you. That that's one that, you know, talking here kind of sounds silly, but unfortunately I've had some serious talks with a lot of people over the years. And my answer is our guard is down. I want to please my employer. I want to please my boss. I want to please the CEO. So I'm going to go out and do this for him or her. Yeah. yeah. You want to be a go getter. And then it turns yeah. out to, you know, it's not actually a legitimate right. thing. And in a controlled environment, we can look at it, but education's a big piece. So I was share one openly. I just got this week, which was really great. It, okay. uh, it came in. It looked awesome. It had, uh, you know, Microsoft stamped on it. Uh, beautiful. And it said that my 
two-factor authentication uh, expired or needed to be updated. Mm. Well, for me, and I'm, I'm looking at that at 6.20 in the morning after I come back from the gym. So thankfully I'm awake and I'm sharp and I look at it and I go, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So, you know, I send it to my, one of my gurus to say, can you confirm this is a phishing? Now, the other part of me said, I think they're trying to fish me to see if I would fall for it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because we want to test everyone. Just because yeah. I'm an owner doesn't mean that I'm not going to click on it. Yeah. So, but then um, I, I was fortunate that since I did it that early in the morning, by the time, uh, you know, 730 rolled around, uh, there was already a corporate-wide uh, message sent out and, uh, you know, put in a newsletter that this is happening right now. This is This is a fishing scheme so you're educating everyone you're helping everyone on that and so that happens rapidly right so if you educate the team then we can help our clientele we can have intelligent conversations about it and we're all sharing the knowledge base yeah i feel like education is probably one of the main factors for everybody right now because i i assume the average person does not have a very strong understanding of the world of cybersecurity and would be very susceptible to phishing schemes and things like that. So do you have like, you have edu do you have education specific type products that you're providing? Well, for our companies as a, a goodwill and some of the events we've thrown on, there's a, you know, the lunch and learn concept where we'll come out and go over, share some data, share some examples like we just talked about. What we don't want to do is tip our hat and say, we're going to issue a phishing campaign. I think it needs to be done anonymously. You mm -hmm. can say to the team, hey, several times a year, be aware the company's going to send out a, a phishing campaign to help educate and protect all of us. Yeah. I think it's really critical that we take a look at that and have it implemented in every company, minimum twice a year. And, and you know, let's let's pick random dates as opposed to, you know, July 1st and December 1st, right? Yeah. So let's pick some. Password changes is another big question we get all the time. You know, you need really strong passwords. They need to be changed. Your banking password shouldn't be the same as uh, you know your other applications that you have. Your login to your computer, because when, once you get one password, right? There's tools today that'll go out to all and test everything and test all your emails, your credentials out there. So you really have to be careful with your passwords. Make sure that they're unique and complicated. I have yeah. one password for everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't tell me that. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so we can, while we're on that, we can talk about the dark web. Yeah. So. The dark web, uh, when, when you hear the um, names of companies that have been breached, some of the high profile ones, and sometimes it's not even the company, it's where the data is stored. So if um, I'm a credit card company and I'm collecting the data and I have a third party in the cloud and it gets breached. So if I have 10,000 customers and potential that they were breached, all that information, so your email and your password is sent onto the dark web. And then it, it's for sale and some of them are for free. So then I would grab that and then I would uh, have a program that would fish for, you know, that uh, company name, that email name. And then I'd go fishing and try to get into as many of the applications as I can. One great one is any of your, uh, anything that you subscribe to, we have a credit card on file. Okay. Well, if I can, uh, if I can breach that, I have access to your credit card. Wow. Anyone ever get a call from their credit card company that your card's on the run and you don't know why? Yep. That's one example of what happens. I get the card and then they sell it rapidly and they could do most will do three to 12 payments or purchases, sorry. And then, uh, you know, the bank gets, uh, banks are really good with the AI, right? They get that trigger point and then they're calling you and you're like, no way. So you go look at your account and go, yes. So they freeze the card and then, uh, they have to mail you a new one. So 
Anyone have automatic payment on their credit card? When it happens, uh, you know, our clients are telling us how inconvenient it is. Now you have to change all your yeah. credit yeah. card. When you have those automatic bills, it comes back, right? Some people are paying interest, getting penalty charges. Some people might not get something automated, right? Renewed. So that's a big challenge out there. So protect your uh, passwords. I personally don't like to keep my credit cards on file. Um, I like to pull them out of my wallet and type them in every time. Sounds yeah. a little silly and old school, but... If it works. Again... Even, even in anything that you save anywhere is going to be saved somewhere that has potential accessibility in the future. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Wow. So what, like, what are some things that people can do to protect themselves now? Like, with, like, what's like, what can somebody do to get started on protecting themselves? Like maybe they can't afford to have, you know, a big crazy cybersecurity thing, but what can they do to get started? The one thing to do is, is to change all your passwords immediately and often and make them different and make them complicated. So it's up to each individual how they want to do that. So I, I know it, it's difficult, um, you know, when I'm changing them, going back to old ones that are unable to use, have to kind of jog my memory. If you write them down, you know, you have to be discreet how you write it down, where you put it. Um, saving it in your notepad is probably not a great idea. Again, when we do uh, cyber assessments, you know, we're finding blank checks signed by uh, signing officers on computers. You know, that, that's a valuable piece of information today, especially when you can just electronically take a photo and deposit money. Yeah. So keep that in mind if you're keeping any signed checks on file. But I would change all passwords immediately, make them complicated. Read the emails carefully. So if it says it came from frank at alphacore.com, take a look at it make sure it did come from there. And take a look at uh, any links, any, uh, you know, if it says here's your PO that you approved, here's your invoice, those are common ones. Question it. I would uh, call the place. I'll give you an example. I had a, an email come in that uh, wanted to order 40 hard disk drives. And so I actually looked at it. It looked fairly good. Uh, the email was fairly legit. So I called the gentleman out of town. Never talked to him before. And he said hard drives are showing up to his place every single day because of that phishing email. That's being sent out. Unfortunately, you know, the, the tools that you have in place are not 100%. They're a lot better than they ever were. Ours are locked down pretty tight. Mine specifically is locked down super tight. So I'm still questioning everything, but he had all kinds of hard drives delivered to his, and he has no idea what happened or why. So question it. So I question it because it just seemed out of sorts. He's not a client. I've never heard of the company before. I uh, opened a separate window in the browser. I verified, oh, the address is different. The phone number was different, so I called the phone number that I searched, not the one in my email. Because that's the other thing you have to keep in mind, right? So if I'm going to fish it out, I'm going to give you my, my number to my cell phone and answer it, ABC Corporation. Yeah, that's the appeal you filled out. Can you fill the order, right? So again, be aware. Have your guard up. We're hearing stories in the media all the time about things like this so let, let's be aware that's the number one tip let's ask questions mm -hmm. wow i mean is there anything that we missed at all that you wanted to you gave us a lot of insight here frank and you know really appreciate it and your knowledge on this topic is exceptional but did we miss anything you think well i i find that we we get caught up in all the challenges and negativity the positive news is that there's so much good stuff happening the reports we're getting today the tools the um, getting to learn uh, customer behavior like there's a lot of great stuff yeah we didn't talk a lot about uh, social media social media is an extremely valuable tool i i personally have have lived and gone through it since virtually day one yeah and and to build a brand in both the traditional 
and also in the virtual world at the same time when they piggybacked against each other is pretty interesting. I, I love looking back at uh, you know my career and AlphaCore's uh, journey along the way of how you know print media picked us up. And I mentioned radio before. We've been on TV, so some of those traditional media, and then all of a sudden you know you you start in LinkedIn that nobody's using at that time, and yeah. you're starting to use a brand new tool that wow, this is really interesting. And you know somewhere in there you get into Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and. You know, now we got to go to threads and then there's, there's all these threads telegrams. New, like, yeah, yeah. When's it going to end? <laughs> so I get asked that question all the time and I go in Twitter, of course, you have to look at your tools and which tools that you like, which ones do you use? So I get challenged in the industry that I have to pick up all of them and I'll, you know, I'll start to use some of them and go back, but I'll, I'll go back to what I like and what I know that works for me. And everyone has to make that decision. It's hard to be on all the platforms all the time and to keep up, right? So what's some advice maybe you got for somebody that's going into a new venture or trying to come along the same industry as you? Like, what's some advice you got for some people? So new venture, I, I love talking about that because when, when I did eventually become a, a partner I w with the history, uh, eight months, I was a commission salesperson at AlphaCore, and then I was blessed to have the opportunity to be a partner. So having become a business owner, um, in my immediate circle at the time, family and friends, there was no support. You know, in, in, even in, uh, in home, uh, mom and dad were dead set against becoming an owner. They knew nothing about it. We didn't come from that background. They wanted me to go work, uh, you know, in different avenues. They're used to, you know, physical work as opposed to the business culture. So mm -hmm. my advice is, you know, a lot of us are seeking help, support. We need people to talk to. The good news is there's a lot of resources today. I personally did not know about them at the time. I would encourage to get a mentor. I would encourage looking at some of the resources we have in our community and build your networking and talk to people. But the big piece is not to be afraid. That's the biggest piece holding us back. So that's a question that I love to ask. If you're not afraid, what would you do? And so if you can really sit there and focus and answer that question, you'd be amazed at uh, you know, how much energy and your drive and pursue it. And then when you're on the technical and you're on the brilliant uh, creativity side of it, I think you need to find someone on the business side of it. So by complimenting my partners, they're, they're more intelligent than I am. They're technically brilliant. But what I was able to bring to help the company in terms of shape it all together, because everyone plays a key role, I was able to bring the business conversation. I'm not the technical person. I'm not the engineer. I'm not architecting the networks. I have brilliant people doing that, and we work together. And, you know, they've done a great job in terms of their role at the table and the communications explaining it. So we built a really robust team, and it comes down to communication. So a new venture, you know, if you're very, very technical, that's awesome. You might want to uh, let go of the PR part and have someone with the business side of it and the two of you would, would be a lot better than one person trying to do it alone. Yeah. But uh, don't be afraid to take the plunge because there's a need for a lot today. It's an exciting world to be in. What's uh, one book you'd recommend? Oh, yeah. Any good books, oh, Franks? Well... On the marketing side of life, I love Seth Godin's uh, All Marketers Are Liars, and then he scratched it and said, All Marketers Tell Stories. I okay. really, really enjoyed that one. You know, in, in the early days, uh, Apple was one of those things where, you know, we were always IBM, IBM clone, IBM compatible, whatever we wanted to call it. 
Um, I was able to read Steve Jobs' book. I highly recommend it. For me, that meant a lot because there was a lot of great history in it and just interesting to see how that corporation evolved. I've read Elon Musk's book as well. So His biography? Tony, yes. Yeah, Tony Hayes, Delivering Happiness. Uh, just so you know, the Alpha Corians uh, was inspired by that book when he referred to his team as the, the Zaponians. So okay. at a staff meeting, I, uh, I named ourselves the Alpha Corians. And I will have to tell you, when I see an email or I see a uh, social media post that the Alpha Corians helped save the day or went out and did something or serviced someone, I just look at that and smile and go, this, this is just so cool yeah. to, to build uh, you know, such a nice, fun brand and a cool culture. Cool. Are you guys hiring? Always hiring. Yes. Well, we're looking at uh, technical and non-technical. We just hired two recent, very young graduates. One is just fresh out of school. Female technician, I may add. So we're really big on supporting STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math for young females that want to go into our traditional male-dominated fields. Good. Alpha Core, um, you know, like most companies, we're not 50-50 male-female. We are getting to be almost a third female. So we're pretty happy about that. And uh, we look at the best candidate, uh, regardless of background or gender, et cetera. And uh, we want the best candidate on our team. Wow. Cool. Anything, um, like anything upcoming, any passion projects that you want people to know about work or anything? Well, we're just going to continue to uh, help everyone the best we can. And uh, we, we love starting the conversation. And what we're doing out there is complimentary assessments to anyone that we engage with to help them. We want to protect everyone, regardless if they're going to work with us or not. I, ideally, we'd love for them. We create the opportunity, but we can give them a, a nice report to kind of tell them where the gaps are. And it's up to them if they want to pursue the gaps with their current uh, resources or lean on us. Again, we want to make sure we're educating everyone. When we do our seminars, we want to do more in the future. We enjoy people coming out to a venue, um, listening to experts on the subject matter. And then they can go back and, uh, you know, decide on how they want to proceed with that. Nice. Very cool. So, uh, I mean, you want to just finish off by letting people know how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. So it's frank at alphacore.com and alphacore is A-L-P-H-A-K-O-R. Come on down to 7800 Twin Oaks. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks, Frank. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thanks.